Welcome to The Things We Say. I'm Sheldon. And I'm Nate. This is a topical podcast where the topics are chosen at random. Sometimes they will be profound, and sometimes they will be stupid. But no matter what, we have a lot to say about them. We are known for the things we do. We become the things we think. We live the things we believe. These are the things we say. All right, guys, welcome back to The Things We Say. I'm Nate. And I'm Sheldon. And uh, we're going to talk about something that really Sheldon has been the spearhead on, but I, I'm sure I'm going to have a lot to say on it once we really get going in the conversation. Yeah. So Sheldon, why don't you go ahead and just kind of open us up here a little bit and talk to us about where we're going with this and kind of what inspired you to want to talk about the subject of fear and specifically the culture of fear that we find ourselves in uh, in America. Yeah, so addressing fear has been something that I would say it's kind of like a life passion of mine. Mm -hmm. Dealing with teenagers, I work with teenagers at the church a lot, and so dealing with fear, and one of the first things that you address as people find healing from things is the fear that holds them back. Mm -hmm. And so learning to overcome that, um, that's just been something that I desire to see in my kids, that they would overcome their fears and step into something new. Uh, My wife, that she'd be able to step into something new without being afraid. And even myself, like I went through a long period of time where I was afraid to do certain things and I don't know why. Yeah. So talking about fear and coming through fear and out of fear, what I began to realize is that our culture loves it. Our culture loves fear and seeks it out and wants to buy it and wants to sell it. Yeah. And that to me was, it's odd. Uh-huh. And it and it strikes me as odd at this time in my life, but there was a time in my life where I would watch horror movies, where I would be fascinated by things that were freaky or scary. Yeah. And um, I just wanted to talk about our fear culture. And so why is it that we seek it out? We just came through the Halloween season where people rush to haunted houses. Yeah. They rush to the latest horror movies and they want to be afraid. But then later in their life in another area, it's like, oh, I couldn't do that. I'd be scared to do that. Yeah. You know, and I'm convinced that when fear comes into our life, it doesn't just stay in the place where we wanted it. Like I wanted to be afraid of this haunted house Yeah. or I wanted this horror movie to freak me out, but I don't want to be freaked out to say, take out the garbage in the dark or, you know, uh, to stand on a stage in front of people or I don't want to be afraid to ask a girl out mm. or something like that. And all of a sudden I'm encountering fear in an area of my life. I didn't have it before. Right. Okay. I see so, where you're going. Okay. Yeah. So, so let's, let's do this. Let's, let's first, let's talk about our own personal experiences with fear. Let's, okay. let's get right into that right off the bat. And then let's start actually talking about some of the things we see culturally and some of those things. So, um, I'll let you go first. Okay. So, and then I'll, and then I'll roll in here. So for me, one of the things that when I began addressing some of my own fears, um, and this goes back to the Bible verse that, uh, in the new Testament where it says, I did not give you a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. And I began to recognize that places in my life where I had fears 
that were that were irrational mm -hmm. and it wasn't just the fear of if i step into traffic i might get hit by a truck like that's common sense right that's awareness uh situational awareness of saying like where are my exits here when i'm in a crowd of people what's my first reaction if something goes wrong that's not walking in fear but my irrational fear so i had a fear of walking into a dark room yeah so if i was even in my own house I would reach around the corner and flip on the light switch before entering the room. Yeah. Like even as an adult? As an adult. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know why I did that. And I didn't think of it as being a fear. But until I was praying with someone one time and they were like, are you scared of the dark? And I'm like, I don't think so. But in practice, I am. Right. Like I wouldn't ever just walk outside without some sort of light source in the dark yeah and just enjoy being outside and looking at the stars i'd be trying to find a source of light somewhere and i didn't realize that i was scared of the dark until yeah. i found out i was okay and so i wanted to overcome that fear but one of the things that i noticed is when i was in college i used to watch some horror movies and some things sometimes and i'm like those those movies used to make you want to be afraid of everyday experiences. Right. Because that's how they bait you in and then get that aha moment. You know, because horror like movies always moment. start with that pristine, like it's a family going on a vacation or a, yeah. or a newly married couple that's going, like it's always this initially picturesque, perfect thing. And then it just degrades into madness. Yeah. And even like, okay, one of the movies that really got me was The Ring. Oh. Like, because... Like it made you scared of doorknobs and mirrors and televisions. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, time out. All of these things are in my house all the time. Yeah. Like I'm not going to be able to get away from it. And it's, it's not like a movie freaked me out. And I was like, okay, I'm done with the whole genre. It was, I began to realize what they were doing mm -hmm. and it's planting a trigger in somewhere where there wasn't a trigger before yeah. where now I look in a mirror and yeah, the tough guy, I should be able to look in a mirror and be fine. Right. You know? Right. But now there's also a trigger there. If it was ever to be tripped, you know, I'm by myself, I'm, I'm in a hotel room on a, on a trip yeah. for business and I have to spend the night alone. I'm standing there, I'm looking in a mirror. All of a sudden the devil wants to get in my head. All he has to do is flip that switch yeah. from 13 years ago yeah. and it's there well it's really funny that you mentioned that movie because I've, I've never been a horror movie guy i mean yeah like my upbringing like it was not something you were ever going to even remotely go to and that stuck with me even when i was independent like that was just not something but i actually kind of got tricked into going to see the ring by my girlfriend at the time who who told me which she loved horror movies which i didn't find out until that night but she told me it wasn't a horror movie it was just like a thriller like and i was thinking yeah. like oh just a psychological thriller like I'm, I'm into that trying to figure out what's going on and first of all i was very annoyed that she told me that it wasn't a horror film because like within the first few minutes there's just some really horrific imagery that is just going to stick with you forever and that you're never going to forget you know and uh and it was funny though because watching the movie I mean, it was disturbing. I would say it was disturbing more than it was scary. Yeah. And, but what was, what the, the fear part kicked in after, like days and weeks after, like 
I even remember like even seeing flashes of things that I saw in the movie, like in the physical, like I would see like out of the corner of my eye and it was like clear as day that it was that thing. Yeah. And obviously I wasn't really seeing it. It was my mind at the time playing tricks on me, but it, that movie like really jacked me up. And I still to this day have moments every once in a while where, you know, it'll just, it'll twins it. Like I don't sit in it and I don't let it sit in me, but yeah, that, that movie had a really disturbing effect on me. And one of the things that I've wanted to do with this podcast a little more is instead of talking around a subject, mm -hmm. talk right into it yeah. and say what we're talking about. Because uh, I think it helps everybody. And so as we do that, it's not like we want you to do the same thing. Right. But it, it's a common experience that we had. Um, but then my challenge is, I'll, okay, here's another one. And I'll keep this anonymous. These people might know who they are. But I had to help... <laughs> Some teenagers that couldn't sleep, three of them, they had watched the movie. They knew going into the movie that they shouldn't have watched it because mm. there is spiritual elements to yeah. a lot of this stuff. Yeah, for sure. And this one in particular, like they knew, they knew that it was wrong. And I asked them, they're like, we haven't slept for three days. These were tough guys. They're like, we haven't slept for three days. We need you to pray for us and help us. And I'm like, we can do this, but... I need to ask you, did the Holy Spirit, did he tell you before you went through this movie, don't do this? And they're like, each of them were willing to admit like, yeah, yeah I knew in my heart that I shouldn't have done this. Right. And I went ahead and did it anyway. I'm like, okay, that's sin. Yeah. Okay. So now that you've recognized it as sin, we're going to repent of that. And then we can go ahead and deal with the fear issue. Yeah. And so, and like they found peace and they found freedom and that's awesome. But my struggle is I see people that go through this stuff and they don't want fear in their lives. They, they have something that they really want to do that they feel like fear is holding them back. Yeah. And then they go in another area of their life and seek fear out. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't jive. It doesn't jive. Yeah. And it doesn't help you. Yeah. Well, going back to that, I mean, picking up and kind of talking about my my experiences with fear. Again, I mean, I'm not wanting to cut you off because we kind of rabbit trailed because of the ring. Yeah, but are you, it's okay. Okay. I'm good. Well, so much of, of the fear that I had growing up centered around my parents' uh, divorce when I was young. And that was obviously, I mean... That seems like a stupid statement to make, but it was obviously very traumatic for me. I mean, I was the oldest kid. I was the one who was witnessing everything, who remembers everything. I mean, to this day, my brother and sister really don't remember any of what happened during that season of life. And there are specific events that I clearly remember. And honestly, there are things that I remember that I would never tell either of my parents because I don't want them to know I remember that. Like, they don't need yeah. to know. And, and I've found healing from that. And the Lord just has taken that stuff from me. And I, so it's not like I have to deal with it or suss it out. Um, but one of the things that, that was interesting from that is, is I was basically in, in so many ways, in certain ways, kind of playing the referee in my household during that time. And I mean, I was like a five, six, seven year old kid, you know, but like I knew that if my parents were really getting into it, fighting, uh, and at night, and it was almost always at night. It was once we had gone to bed and it would just, uh, I can just, even now I can just remember it, but but I remember, you know, I would cry to get them to break it up. I would, I would beg them, you know, before I went to bed, like, don't even talk about anything. Just go to sleep, you know. And, and, and so I was just constantly in this state of trying to manage what I was not at all equipped to manage at all. I mean, obviously, as a little kid, there's just no way. 
And to the point where when my parents finally did split up, it was almost a relief because I didn't have to be, I didn't have to, to try to moderate anything that yeah. was going on anymore. And, um, and so, but out of that, I started having night terrors and I started sleepwalking. I started having all of these things where, and it's really interesting to me because a lot of my, a lot of my initial spiritual experiences were dark. Um, I can I can remember very what I would call very distinctly demonic things that that dreams that I had recurring dreams things where it was like I was just being tormented because of the the unsettledness that I had and you know obviously anybody who knows my family story eventually my parents were uh, did divorce but they did end up getting back together and the Lord just did really really amazing things um, to restore our family and it and it wasn't it wasn't like a resentment thing. Like there weren't things that were like, it was, it was beautiful. It was the way that he did. It was just really, really amazing. But there was a lot of residual fear that I continued to have as a result. And, and it was, it was things like you're talking about, like that unreasonable fear of the dark or an unreasonable fear of being alone. And it wasn't all the time, but like something would just hit me and I would just be almost paralyzed with, with fear. And like, um, there, you know, it was even times where it's like being the oldest, you know, 13, 14 years old, where I'd go and sleep with my brother or sister because it's like, I just couldn't, I couldn't cope. I couldn't deal with it. And it's really funny because I stopped being unreasonably afraid like that. The minute I became a firearm owner, which sounds <laughs> hilarious, which most people, when I tell them that, but it, it, it also made me realize that all of my fear was centered around the idea of being helpless. So yeah. when I finally was a firearm moment, I'm like, well, if something does happen, I at least have a shot of, of handling a situation. I've got, I've got an edge, you know? And, and that was where the Holy Spirit used that to reveal to me, like, that I had an issue with feeling helpless. Like, that was, that was what was triggering my fears. That was, it was all centered around being in a situation where I had absolutely no say, no control, which, again, went all the way back to, to my parents splitting up when I was young. And so identifying that allowed me to deal and really process through and really start to talk through whether it was with my parents or, or, uh, you know, other people that were in my life at the time, just process through the things that I experienced, the things that I saw and the things that I heard and the ways that that made me feel. Um, and so, so my fear was, was very much linked to that. And again, I still have bouts where, where things will be triggered but I can, like, like I said, I can move on from those. I don't have to sit yeah. in them anymore. It's not my continual existence. It's interesting that you bring up being alone. Like yeah. that is still one of my biggest fears. Yeah. Um, and something that I'm working through and mm -hmm. would like to eventually get all the way through. But I didn't recognize that until my late teen years, right before I was about to get married, where I was like, if I don't get married, I'm going to have to move out on my own. Then I'm going to have to sleep in a house alone. Yeah. And I had a big family. I I never experienced being alone yeah. overnight or being alone in a situation. I will actively avoid alone times. Yeah. And even to the point that it's difficult, it was difficult for me to find time alone with God because I just Alone needed to be yeah. around other people. Yeah. And I actually learn in chaos. I worship with loud music and yeah. chaos all around me. I'm more comfortable when there's when there's flags and people going crazy after yeah. God. That makes me 
feel at home. And for other people, they'll find that tremendously distracting. Yeah. And so for me, like that goes back to a fear of being alone. Yeah. And I don't know where that comes from. If I did, maybe I'd have a little more source of healing um, from that. But yeah, yeah, I just, I've found that having fear in my life doesn't bring anything good. Yeah. And thinking back to the times of where fear was introduced into my life, it wasn't a good thing. Right. I don't know that having fear around has ever helped me or that it would be something that I would pay for again. Right. To have in my life. And I told Nate earlier, it's not about like Cedar Point. Some people are like (laughs) scared to go on roller coasters and that's just a fear of falling or whatever. Yeah. And and it's more about adrenaline. Like I'm kind of afraid to go to the top of a black diamond and just point my skis straight down the hill. Yeah. That's a little bit common sense because I'm not that great of a skier. Right. But it's also, you know, I just don't need that much adrenaline. Right. And well, and the reality of it is when you get down to it, like at a base level, fear does play an important role in survival. I mean, be honest, if, if you were a person that had literally no fear, you'd probably be dead. You probably would be dead. And so, and so it does have a, I, I do think it's interesting that the scripture doesn't say that you're never to fear, but it says yeah. that you're not given a spirit of fear. And there's a dramatic difference to me between being afraid and having a spirit of fear. But again, a lot of times in the church, especially, we we rebuke people and we get on people for being afraid instead of addressing whether it's a spirit of fear. And and because of that, people have been hurt, people have been tossed aside, people have been forced to stay in situations, whether it's uh, marriage or, or home situations where they are dangerous situations all out of that idea of, well, you shouldn't be afraid, you know, because of, That's of a really the Holy Spirit. Point. So there is a, yeah. a marked difference. So I don't, I don't want to conflate um, or confuse being afraid and spirit of fear because they are not the same thing. I've, I've, I've worked with people who live and exist in that state of fear, that spirit of fear. And I know people who are, you know, afraid of the dark or afraid of little things like that, but it's just a, it's, it's not something that it, they con- t- t- continually exist in. But yeah, I knew somebody who literally every time a car pulled up beside them or would, or would stop, was stopped at an intersection, they would just freak out because they thought that they were going to get hit. They were just determined that they were going to get hit by it. Or, or every time they would go over a bridge, they would literally grab the top of the, you know, that little assist bar on the, yeah. on the car and they would just white knuckle it all the way until they were on the other side of the bridge. And this person like they scared easy, it didn't matter. And so there's definitely a difference between the spirit of fear and being afraid. Yeah, and I guess my concern with the fear culture in America is that by seeking out fear in so many different places in so many different ways, we are giving a foothold to a spirit of fear and giving it permission to come in and hang out. Yeah. And then we're surprised when it shows up in different ways. Yeah. And and we're surprised when it robs us of our dreams or our ability to do something really cool. And we're like, why am I petrified to do this? And I've allowed the spirit of fear in. And that's that's different than, like what Nate is saying, it's different than being cautious or being com- like having common sense awareness right. of what's going on. Right. Um, I wish I was a little bit more like uh, aware, situationally aware and tactically aware, like yeah knew where my exes were, knew who was in the building, you know, and 
I just kind of like blindly walk into a lot of situations. <laughs> I intentionally, in the room we're sitting in right now, I have my back to a wall and Sheldon has his back to an open door. I would never sit in a room with my back to an open door. Like I, I just can't. It, it's like an itch care. that I can't scratch if I know that that's true. But yeah, so just him being talking about being tactically minded, that's a thing for me. Like well, I have I'm to... way too trusting of people. That's <laughs> that's my main thing. Like I walk into a crowd of people, I'm like, oh, I love you all. <laughs> it's not that's not necessarily yeah. a safe situation. Well, and that's funny because Sheldon and I have talked about the fact too. And again, please don't be offended by this if we're if we have freshly met or if we barely know each other, because this sounds harsher than it is. More harsh. I don't think harsher is a word. Harsher. Um, it might be. It might be. Uh, but I generally just assume the worst in people until they give me a reason to think otherwise. And I don't mean like I think everybody's going to be a jerk or everybody's out to get me. I'm not paranoid. But like I, I kind of shoot for the curb and I'm mostly pleasantly surprised. But if I'm disappointed by somebody or if they let me down, I don't even find it disappointing because I'm like, well, yeah. That's more par for the course, which seems extremely cynical when I say it. Yeah, it seems so cynical when I say it, especially because I'm in ministry. But I don't, I don't let it affect the way that I love people or the way that I view people in that sense. But I just, I've, I've fallen into that mindset, you know. And and again, people mostly pleasantly surprise me to the opposite end of that. I've, I very rarely thought, well, this person's just an idiot, and then ended up thinking, thinking that after I've actually interacted with them and. There have been a few. Maybe there's been a few, but not a lot. So I could maybe not introduce fear into my life, but definitely introduce more awareness into my yeah, life. Yeah, <laughs> Awareness Just, is good. Yeah, Situational awareness is good. It's it can save the, your life. One of the reasons I don't carry a gun. Yeah. Because I feel like all of a sudden I would be having to do something unnatural for me, which is being aware of my surroundings and having to be situationally aware. Mm-hmm. Because it would force you to do that. Because yeah. you have a responsibility now. Right, absolutely. To act correctly and to do things the right way. And for me, I'd, I my tendencies just wander blindly into most situations, assuming the best about everyone around Right, so. yeah. So so what is it that you think is is the captivating factor about fear? Like, why, why do people want to go to haunted houses? Why do people want to be scared in a movie? You know, why... What is the and I'm and, and again like you said I'm not talking like the thrill of like a Cedar Point the adrenaline rush which I know there's a there's an element of that but what is it about fear that is such a hot pursuit in American culture and I I do want to kind of grasp how big this is how big the culture of fear in America is and the amount of money that people will spend on haunted houses in every town in America that they will they will buy horror literature and and thriller literature by the like hundreds of millions yeah, of dollars. Yeah. And we're talking about entire subcultures that are built around horror and fear. And I'm not even I guess I don't even care quite as much about the gory, I don't know, gruesome stuff. Yeah. Like to me that's just like sick and twisted. Like yeah. people wanting to watch other people get right. chopped up. That's not that's not horror. That's just some other part of your personality. It's not really hard. Does not really fear. That's another psychological thing going on. But there is a culture of fear. And okay, this is something I wanted to say that I'm glad I thought of. 
One of the things that somebody pointed out to me is that our generation has lost our grandparents to fear. And it isn't just our younger generation. So our grandparents' generation are supposed to be the people that right now in their days are passing down wisdom and passing down tools to get us through life, um, teaching us how to overcome situations. Uh And the problem is, in the last 20-some years, we have introduced 24-hour news. We've introduced CNN, Fox News, all these channels that our grandparents sit and watch as they are retired. Mm. They spend their time watching this stuff, and it is built around fear. Yeah, It is built around making them afraid. And what we've got is, is an a older generation that feels a little more hopeless than they would have otherwise without all this, a little more afraid for what we're what yeah. our generation is coming up through and they're kind of like, oh man, like this is really scary what you guys are going to have to deal with. Right. And they don't, they're not passing on the tools to deal with it because they're just afraid for us. And they're like, what's going to happen next? What's going to happen tomorrow? Yeah. Instead of like telling us the stories of overcomers yeah. telling and passing on, um, and I'm not talking about my grandparents specifically. Right. I'm talking you're, about you're generalizing like for our sure, general yeah. culture. Yeah. And you look at you look at what's being advertised on these news channels and you know they're targeting older people. Right. Like we we know this. So it's geared towards the people that should be helping us overcome this. And our generation is not only soaking up fear at a higher rate than other generations before, and our parents' generation has allowed it and just been like you know, yeah. yeah, sure, whatever. And like taking us to haunted houses and stuff. Like I'm not, not me, obviously. Right, that, right. Didn't, that wasn't my experience. Right. My parents were against all of that. But um, I sought it out on my own and yeah. messed my own self up. So that was my <laughs> own problem. But I think I would just punch somebody if I went to a haunted house. I think my fight or flight would kick in so hard. I think if somebody popped out, my initial response would be just to hit them. So yeah. I don't think it would be a good idea. I don't think for you're me allowed to... to carry firearms in this. No, <laughs> no. But but again, I don't know that I would be able to stop myself. I think that would just yeah. be an initial like visceral reaction that I couldn't get away from. So it's probably better for everybody that I avoid them. But you know, my larger point is we do have a fear culture, and I think not not just going after horror literature or horror movies or whatever, but talking about our 24-hour news cycle and yeah. how it is built on fear and breaking news has never been good. Yeah. It's never been about something good. It's about this person got shot or you shouldn't fly on airplanes because of this or you shouldn't go to yeah. crowded places because of this. And now our grandparents will call us and be like, oh, are you going to that concert? Well, be careful. And they're, they're right. very worried about us right? rather than encouraging us to go further. And yeah. I feel like we're losing something that we wouldn't have to. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Is it that way in other cultures? Like, I don't. I don't have an experience in Europe or uh, yeah. Africa or Asia, other other cultures, where older people maybe have different practices and and aren't tuned into the news all the time, yeah. and their it, teens my, aren't soaking yeah. up all this. My my experience in in England, which which I was there. Oh goodness, how many years ago was that? It's got it's got to be coming up on like fourteen years ago, fourteen or fifteen years ago, maybe more. Um, but 
that that whole that whole new and again the news cycle thing wasn't even quite as intense here as it as it as it uh, is now. But yeah, it it wasn't like I mean you had the BBC and there's not really a whole lot of competition for news. I mean there's local stuff, whatever, yeah. but you didn't have that intense intense just information overload thing that we do now. And honestly, it's kind of funny because if you watch the local news. I watch it and I think to myself, this is what national news used to be like. Like it used to be mostly good stories. You were hearing about good things that were going on in, in the nation and the community. I'm like, and then all of a sudden, like you said, people started to realize that no, we can peddle fear, we can peddle shock value things, and that's why that's one of the things that infuriates me about, you know, when a mass shooting happens, you instantly see people go after this in the media. And it has nothing to do with the fact that lives have been lost. It has nothing to do with it. It's something to sell. It's going to sell people on the idea that this is something to be afraid of. And, it, and we will glue our eyes to it and we will watch it and we'll eat it up. And again, the normal person's reaction is to be horrified. The normal person's reaction is to, to feel sympathy, to feel something, empathy for the people that this is happening to. But it's, it's news has now become about being first, being the first one to sell the fear, being the first one to sell the story. Oh yeah. And, and that is a, is a dangerous, dangerous thing, not just from a media perspective, but in terms of, I, I kind of liken it to, um, you know, uh, I, I was reading a study recently how, uh, people in our, our, our generation and younger, specifically men, and I'm sorry, this is going to get a little into, uh, I'm just not even going to apologize for it. This is the things we say, so I'm just going to say say things. But people in our generation and, and younger, men are having a massively a massive spike in erectile dysfunction. Okay, and on the surface, that may just seem like kind of a weird thing, or you're going to have somebody who's going to say, "Well, it's because of the things that the government's giving us in the water, or whatever." But it's directly correlated to the amount of pornography use that has spiked. Yeah. And and so it's interesting because you look at something, you know. You know, you look at like Hugh Hefner who died recently, and, and Playboy he, that used to be this flagship thing, and it was like the, um, yeah, the flagship pornography. Like that was what everybody, you know, people talk about it all the time. Oh, I found my dad's stack of Playboys, you know, under his yeah. bed or under his mattress. And there were there were the more horrifying things that were around back then, like uh, like Hustler was one that was a big, like it was almost it was taboo for the people who you know, looked at Playboy like, oh, I'd never, you know, go there. But the problem is, is you look at something like Playboy and its readership has plummeted over the past, you know, 15, 20 years. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing, but the problem is, is that it's been replaced with something harder. And, yeah. and, and so you look at the, the reality of the pornography in industry now, and it's escalated things to the point where what is real and what is normal and what we should be feeling whether it's in relation to our wives or even what stimulates us visually day to day doesn't anymore. And so you're constantly yeah. going, it's like a drug addict. You're constantly going for a, a, a higher, um, a higher fix a, 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 that, you know, that quintessential high. And, and so this is causing all kinds of problems. And I think you're seeing the exact same thing in fear culture in that people have become so spiritually numb in America Yes. We've become so devoid of any kind of spiritual experience. The only thing we have left is fear. Yeah. The only thing we have left is I fear. And that. so and so we we pursue and we eat up these kinds of things and we can't function in any of what would be normal spirituality, normal even even the adrenaline of of just normal life of of 
taking pleasure and joy in a beautiful day, things like that. And again, those things happen. I'm not saying that everyone is just completely devoid of all feeling. But I think, I think as a collective, I think American culture is to that place where they're so spiritually devoid of spirituality that the element of fear and the, the spiritual heightened awareness that you get out of fear is, is almost like that drug. It's causing that same kind of draw because it, at least you're feeling something. It, it, you're, you're, something is stirring in you that's other than what you feel every single day. And that's a good point, that we've dulled our spiritual sensitivity. And you can even see it increasing in the movies that were out when I was in middle school or something, 1998, 97. Yeah. And to what we're coming out with now. I mean, paranormal activity is completely about spiritual elements yeah. that you should be afraid of right. and, and like introducing it into your everyday. And what's weird about that is it's trying specifically to take away our ability to sense things spiritually in a real way. Mm -hmm. It's in a manufactured way. So we get it synthetically, right? It's not a real experience for us right. until it is. And so we've dulled our spiritual sensitivity with all this manufactured fear yeah. and we can't even fear God mm -hmm. in a right way and sense him when he's, when he's close to us, we don't sense it because yeah. we've been, we've dulled ourselves mm -hmm. to it. We don't hear the still small voice because we don't want to hear still small voices. Right. Right. And we don't, we don't want, to feel the closeness of God because we don't want to feel the closeness of anything other than something physical. Yeah. Because it it would mess us up. Right. And that's what we associate it with. Right. Wow. That's really good. <laughs> I had never thought of that until right now. Well, neither had I until, until right now. So it just kind of occurred. But yeah. I and and I think we need to be careful of that. And that's one of the reasons I guess why I'm deeply concerned that people would continue to seek out that synthetically manufactured spirituality in replacement for the real thing. Yeah. Because not only can you experience real like demonic presence and the real presence of something evil, but so much more than that, yeah. you can experience the real living presence of an awesome God. Mm -hmm. And Wow. Like, I would not give that up for anything. Right, right. So, and it, it's it, just like you said, it's almost the same way. You can have the, a real relationship yeah. with a real woman who will really love you, and you can be intimate with her in a real way, and that is a, something to treasure for a lifetime. Mm -hmm. Or you can synthetically go get the right. bad stuff right. and just, like, completely ruin yourself for anything mm -hmm. else. You know, and it's it's interesting because you you mentioned a little bit ago uh, asking about specifically with the news cycles and and different parts of the world and what it's like all over. But one of the things that's interesting to me is is so much of the world and especially the third world areas that that we would look at as uh, lesser than our culture. There's a very much, and again, it's mostly dark in a lot of senses, but there is a a heightened spiritual sense in those places. Yeah, and they deal with the demonic. All the time. I mean, daily, they deal with that. And I was actually just talking to Ben Smith about this and the things that he saw when he was in Papua New Guinea when he was when he was young and growing up there, and just the you know the beyond just the superstition stuff that we all, we now as Westerners typically say, oh, just these 
superstitious people. They just don't know. They just don't understand. But beyond that saying, like the things he actually saw and the, and the things he witnessed and, and, and it's like, we, we have now in our minds as a culture risen above such superstitions and such fears, but we still pursue it just in a totally different manner. We want to experience that, that fear of the supernatural while at the same time denying its existence. Because it's just in a movie. Right. And it's so it's, strange. And especially because, you know, you know, if you look at even even like horror films of 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 the uh of of the eighties and nineties, like, you know, you had your nightmares on Elm Street and your, you know, your your Friday the thirteenth stuff, and they were mostly tongue in cheek. Like they knew that they were ridiculous and they were okay with that. Like it wasn't like they were trying to tap in they were literally they were trying to make something that was going to be entertaining for people and again it had its dark elements and it was gory at times and those kind of things but it was that was the goal like we want to entertain people and and maybe startle them a little bit but it's it's going to be funny at the same time like but you saw this transition and 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 you saw a few movies um that were that were undeniably spiritual in their nature so you look at like the exorcist or uh rosemary's baby or um, the the Omen series, like there were some movies that they intentionally tapped into the demonic, and those movies became huge hits. But they were also massively controversial at the time, and and beyond what like a Friday the Thirteenth was, or what a you know there there was a there's a marked difference between yeah. like the slasher film genre and 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 this, and while you saw those things pop up every once in a while in the seventies and eighties and nineties, and now that's almost all there is. Like if you see, you know, like, like slasher films don't sell anymore, like, because it's not shocking. Violence isn't shocking yeah. anymore. And so now it's all, it's all dark spirituality. I mean, it's, it's demonic possessions. It's, um, and, and almost always it's sold on the rea- on the, based on a true story. You know, this was or based on actual yeah. events. That's what you're constantly seeing, and so there's, there's. I think there's this this base need for humans to have some connection to spirituality. That's just reality. Like we, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, we're spiritual beings, and that's just the reality of it. Um, you may think I'm wrong, but I think you're wrong. So you know, that's okay. Yeah. Um, that's just the reality of it. And so if we are not seeking that out in the Holy Spirit, if we're not seeking that out through the presence of God, we're going to try to find it in other things. I mean, that's what, that's what sexuality is about. That's what, you know, this, even this fear culture is about. This is all spiritual. It's, it's not physical stuff. These are spiritual matters. And that's what makes it so powerful in movie form and in other forms where they can tap into that. Yeah. That's what makes it powerful. Yeah. If you're wondering why that grabs you and why it, pulls you in so quickly it's because they've tapped into something yeah um you were talking about third world countries and their superstitions and their fears but what's crazy is yeah they're dealing with the demonic every day but they're actually seeing miracles every day too yeah like you're we we as a church would long for the acts of power mm-hmm. and the way the holy spirit moves in africa and Papua new guinea and other places you're like Wow, that would be so cool if that happened in Worcester. Yeah. You know, that would that would change the whole community. Yeah. But why doesn't it? Yeah. Why doesn't it happen? Because the whole community there has not dulled themselves to something spiritual and is open 
to God moving and, and believing, hey, yeah, God could miraculously cause this limb to regrow yeah. or God could raise my dead baby to life if he wanted to. And, and like that faith is already there because the spiritual sensitivity isn't yeah. dead. Yeah. And yeah, I, I don't know. I've really enjoyed talking about this. Yeah. <laughs> it is an interesting subject and it is something that you can go all kinds of rabbit trails on for sure. Um, but yeah, it is, it is, it is a strange thing. I've, I've never really understood it. I've never understood. Like I said, the only horror movie I've ever seen was one that I got tricked into going to. I just don't, I've never liked it. I've never liked being scared. I've never liked the feeling of, again, getting back to my issue of, of feeling like I'm helpless. Like I don't like that feeling where I can't have any input into what's about to happen. Um, one never last, liked that. one yeah. last question. Um, and this happened with my wife, so I don't know in your experience, but um, I'm never going to watch a horror movie again, not just for me, but because just can't watch anything mildly um, suspenseful or oh, anything yeah. since she's had children. Like it changed Ooh. with having children. No, Kayla has always been this way. Same okay. thing, but like reach out and grab your movies, even if it's not like a, like we watched Jurassic Park, which I think <laughs> is one of the best movies in the world. It holds up so unbelievably well. I mean, the, the effects and everything. I just love it. She hated it, hated every second of it. And I'm, and I'm sitting there thinking, like, I watched this when I was, like, 10 years old. And this, yeah. like, it startled me at points, but it wasn't, like, something that stuck with me. But she hates those reach-out-and-grab-you moments. She yeah. just hates them. And I don't know. That, that was one thing that I wanted to get into a little bit with the horror thing. They, they've introduced kids oh, in yeah. a weird way, yeah. which, like, you were talking about Friday the 13th and some of these other, like, 80s horror things, like, it wasn't, it wasn't where you had kids being the bad ones and kids being weird. Yeah. Like, and just being off. And that I feel like is a new element. And I cannot imagine being a mother and watching some of that stuff. Yeah. Like it would have to mess with you. Yeah. Um, even being a dad, like the, but the maternal connection then to watch something like that, that would that would be very traumatic, yeah. I think. Um, and I, I, I really dislike them using kids in, in those types of movies. Yeah. Because I'm, I'm like, okay, this kid is going to watch this. Right. Right? At some point. Right. Or do you act in a movie you don't watch? Right. And even so, like, I don't know. Yeah. That, that whole element of it, introducing kids into a place right. that it's not normal, it's not natural. Right. Um, I think it, it dulls another one of our sensitivities of just trusting that kids are going to be shown love mm -hmm. regardless. Kids are going to be loved well. They're going to be protected. They're going to be cared for. Yeah. And us as a society would say, yeah, that's going to happen. But in these movies, it almost can't. Yeah. And you have to like disconnect that part of you. And it's like, okay, so now you've done that for yeah. at least the period of time that you've watched this movie, you've disconnected from just loving children right. in general and protecting them in general. And you've had to like cut yourself off from doing that. Yeah. Well, in, in, in reality, I look at that and I say like, that's, 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 that's a, a, a portion of moving the bar because yeah. it's like you're taking innocence and you're saying, Oh no, we're going to corrupt it and make it something fearful. Yeah. We're going to corrupt it and make it something to be worried about, to be afraid of. Yeah. And, and that's, and again, that's the thing is, is we talked about it before taking something that is innocent and innocuous and, and supposed to be a good thing 
and turning it into something horrifying. Like a doorknob or a mirror or a child. Yeah. But I do feel like we're crossing lines. Yeah. That we should not have. Yeah, for sure. As a sure. culture. For sure. And uh, we, we may be regretting it. And what's, what's crazy is how hard our culture comes down on people that follow through on things that we've shown them oh, and that yeah. we've sold them. Oh, yeah. And you have people that maybe have weaker minds or, or have a propensity for things already. But, or are just looking for an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I remember telling Jess, like when we lived in town in the city and a particular movie is playing at the theater and I'm like, first of all, this has all kinds of elements in it that's just terrible. But I don't like the fact that somebody's going to watch something like that and then just randomly be around my kids yeah. and interacting with them. Yeah. I don't know why that no, throws me off. I think I'm that's just like, legitimate. Uh, I don't, I don't. I don't like how our culture seems to set people up for failure in this way. Yeah. Like introduce this fear into the life, introduce this paranoia, introduce all of this stuff and then just walk away, walk away yeah. and be like, well, you guys should all act normally now and abide by the law and, and do everything normally, yeah. even with this. Yeah. It's not going to happen. Right. people. It's right. not going to. Right. <laughs> man, oh man. Yeah. Well, again, we could go on about this, I think, for a really, really long time, but I think we're hitting close to that hour-ish mark. Could be. Probably right about then. So, uh, again, this may be a subject that we'll touch on at some other point uh, yeah. a little further in depth. But uh, for now, uh, this is Nate and Sheldon. This is The Things We Say. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Thanks for joining the conversation today. The Things We Say is produced by Nate Ward. Technical direction is provided by Sheldon Stauffer. You can subscribe to The Things We Say on SoundCloud and iTunes. Don't forget to like us on Facebook at The Things We Say Podcast to keep the conversation going. This has been The Things We Say. See you next time.